Welcome. Uh, hey, to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> I put on my spooky voice because uh, we are opening with some star charts today. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're going to divine some fates or mm. personalities or how does it work? So more, yeah, more like interpreting personalities of some historical figures we covered. All right. Based on their horoscopes. So I have titled this segment, The Stars of Communist History. Hell yeah. Stars is in all caps. <laughs> uh, awesome. And yeah, I figure we can make this a recurring bit, but I wanted to get through kind of the big three today. All right. Big three of communism. As we know, that's Joseph R. Biden. Uh, <laughs> who else? Uh, Kamala Harris, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Kamala Harris and uh, AOC, maybe. Mm, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> According to Fox News. Yeah. No, we're going to start with Marx, Papa Marx. Uh, Lenin and Mao. All right. So for our MLM, our multi-level marketing listeners, <laughs> but actually our uh, Marxist, Leninist, Maoist listeners, oh. we're covering all three of your bases here. Is that what you use that for? Uh, in communist circles, yes. Okay. I know it is like men loving men, like oh, gay shit. Wow. And then there's also multi-level marketing thing. So it's So it's you versatile. could be all three. Yeah. You could be in a multi, multi-level marketing scheme and be, well, you couldn't really do that and be a communist, but you could be secretly a communist and also gay. Wow. I would love to see the Venn diagram of people who are <laughs> in that. That's in all three. That's a, that's a niche place to be. For sure. All right. Give us these readings. So before we get into them, let's review some terms for the class. First off, I'm not an expert, by the way. I feel like I should go ahead and say that. I did a lot of Googling for this segment. <laughs> um, and also, I think astrology is like 90% bullshit, but it's 100% very fun. <laughs> All right. Okay. But the terms we want to review, sun sign. So that's like your core <clears throat> self. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what most people know. You know, yeah. I'm a Gemini. You're welcome. But it's all about like your ego and your will. It's like big picture stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We'll also be covering the moon sign and rising sign. Moon sign is all about inner emotions, and it's for people who are like in your inner circle. Oftentimes, this addresses the question, what do you need to feel safe? Ooh, so it's like your comfort, maybe, or your... Mm-hmm. All right. And finally, we have the rising sign, which is a lot about like your outward appearance and kind of like what people see of you like at a first glance. Mm, okay. So your, your cover that they judge you by. Yeah, your mask to the world. Ah, all right. All right, so first up, we got Karl Marx. Great. Karl Marx, as everyone knows, invented communism. Uh, <laughs> he did it. No, so we've covered a lot about him, so long-time listeners will know, but kind of the progenitor of Marxism, of the historical materialist outlook, looking at history as a series of processes, the main thing being how do people produce things. Yes. Yeah. Some interesting stuff in here. So... His sun sign is a Taurus, which in general means he likes nice things. Like he's kind of, he's kind of materialist. Ah, there we go. (laughs) He might be introverted, um, but overall kind of a chill guy, which I'm like, I don't know about that. He like was kind of a petty bitch sometimes, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he was. I mean, he could be, yeah, he pretty much always thought he was right (laughs) and would argue with anybody, but he could chill, like he could hang out and drink wine with him and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Could be. Yeah. 
Maybe his Mars sign was more aggressive because that like determines how you do conflict. Ah, okay. All right. So, and then his moon sign is also in Taurus. We got a double Taurus here. So this means he loves stability. And actually, I took this quote from the site I used, which was astro-seek.com. You can just enter celebrities' birth charts. Uh, It was pretty great. Oh, hell yeah. But the quote from that that I loved was, you may have a practical nature dependent on material aspects. (laughs) They Yeah, they went in heavy with materialism here for the right guy. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Very practical. I think that totally tracks. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. No shred of utopianism in him. Mm-mm. He, you know, when you ask him a question of like, well, what's this going to be like? He's like, dude, I don't know. Nobody knows. You know, <laughs> practical. All right. Rising sign. Love this. Aquarius. Aquarius, they're just fucking weirdos yeah. is really the long and short of them. But in this case, and it being a rising sign just means like he's able to see the big picture. He's kind of analytical progressive, hopeful for mankind, says he doesn't like being the center of attention, but actually loves it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that for sure. Right? Yeah. That one's pretty good. He's definitely remembered as this major philosopher. This, I mean, you know, developed the theory which really radically shaped our world. I mean, think about it. Like the entire... One phase of history called the Cold War is like centered on <laughs> that. And he's def- he's an anti kind of great man of history, but definitely was always involved in all the historical issues of his day at the time. He was like throwing himself in there, writing about putting his forth his opinions on everything. Yeah, maybe this is where some of his messy bitchiness comes in. It's like, he's like, no, you got to listen to me. Right. Yeah. Hear me out. I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next up, we got Lennon. All right, Lenny. Lenny, he's back. (laughs) Another Taurus. I will say I went ahead and researched a bunch of people for this segment so we could choose who we wanted to go with first. And Taurus is a very popular sign, like, for communists. All right. The top three signs for communists, by the way. We'll go ahead and say those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Aquarius, there were a total of six, like, not necessarily sun signs, but like in there, mm-hmm. basically. So six Aquarius, five Sagittarius, and five Taurus. So like those are the top three signs. That's the, uh, those are the red signs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, his sun sign is Taurus, same as Mark's, you know, likes beauty and pleasant things, can be a little introverted, kind of a chill dude. Maybe, I mean, like this is his core aspect, so maybe this is more like who he really is. I... <sighs> Okay, because... He's kind of a fiery bitch. Well, like, you mentioned also with Taurus that, like, you like to be comfortable or you like material Mm -hmm. things. And Mm -hmm. Lennon, like, one of his, you know, touchstone texts was that one about how to be a revolutionary. Like, eat raw meat and, like, get buff, remember? (laughs) And he was, like, very kind of personally ascetic. Like, he didn't... Ooh. He... He wasn't that extreme, but he was not... You know, he lived in kind of crappy apartments and, like... Did not like really focus on material things at all interesting so maybe this one's not him okay (laughs) this one does not track all right his moon sign is aquarius same as me nice but what that means i don't see how this applies to me but i think it works out for lennon so 
he wants to distance himself from his emotions and be like an impartial observer and is like kind of analytical. Mm -hmm. He feels like he really needs freedom and romantic relationships and is just kind of kind of moody too. Okay. I could see him being secretly kind of moody. Mm -hmm. Definitely the separating the analytical part. Like, I feel like that tracks with the ascetic thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially once you get into the thick of not just the revolution, but the Russian civil war, then you're like, okay, I'm going to be an asshole here, but we're going to kill some people. Like, <laughs> We got to do it. And he was just... And remember, I think in our episode, we said something like how he was giving an interview to some member of the Western press, and he's just like, hey, don't like gloss over the horrors of you know the atrocities mm-hmm. that we've done. Like, We did it. We would do it again. Who cares? Yeah. That's, I think that works. So, yeah. All right. Rising sign. Scorpio, one of the most hated of signs besides Gemini's. <laughs> I love them. But a rising Scorpio might mean that you feel the need to fight against like a like an evil power. Sometimes that's from within, but it can be external. And this was a quote I also stole from the site. For some, this power can also come from a lust for power. Mm. Ooh, you're saying Lenin had a lust for power? He might have. Or he might have just been like so focused on on this big encompassing fight that he felt like he had to take power. Yeah. And as someone who admires a lot of what Lenin did, you know, individual mm-hmm. acts aside, I could, I could see the lust for power on behalf of the mm-hmm. people. I want the, the people cause. to be in charge, you know? Yeah. So... Finally, we've got Mao Zedong. This one might be my favorite one because I feel like it really tracks. Ooh, all right. Okay, so his sun sign is Capricorn, and I originally did not know a lot about Capricorns. I mm-hmm. think I only have like one friend who's a Cap, and I just like haven't looked into it much. So this involves some research. All right. So Capricorns, their symbol is the goat, and that's kind of their whole deal is they're very about getting things done, like slow and steady not into frivolous things. They are hardworking. They want to be recognized for their efforts and they can be kind of reserved and standoffish because they're just so focused on like tasks. Hmm. All right. So you're saying with Mal that would fit? I think so. I mean, he seemed very, maybe not practical isn't the right word, but like he wanted to get some shit done no matter what. Yeah, he was dedicated. (laughs) I mean, you see. Dedicated, yes. Once he figures out, I'm going to do... I'm going to be a revolutionary. I mean, he's doing all, you remember the bookstore thing. Mm -hmm. He's in these different organizations and stuff. He's doing local organizing. And then, I mean, he, he just doesn't turn back at that point. Once he figures out that, you know, that's going to be what he does. So yeah, I guess I could see that. One thing I didn't like in this description, like one of the traits was possibly they don't like to take risks. And I'm like, nah, dude, this guy like put it all out there. He did not give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. Definitely a risk taker. Yes. All right. This one, though, this is, I think, the piece de resistance of this segment. Ooh. Moon sign in Leo. So remember, this is internal stuff. Okay. He wants to be a fucking star. Leos are all about, I want to be the center of attention. I want validation. And this is the quote that made me lose my shit and text you. (laughs) Quote, maybe you should admit your fear of criticism and your inability to accept criticism. It is very important to accept feedback and use it for improvement. Do not try to only make excuses for yourself. Oh, shit. 
Um. I feel like, so after <laughs> Mal was gone, they had like a party conference and uh, Maoists kind of don't like this party conference because they, they kind of go back and kind of criticize what Mal did because mm-hmm. they're moving in like the reformist direction, you know? Yeah, that's right. And they say, you know, Mal, great guy, you know, he did, he did really good things, you know, he's the reason we were successful, you know, he's a big part of it anyway. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, he did... 70% good things and 30% bad. I feel like they could like instead just have said like that. Like maybe you should have been more accepting Not the of criticism. Best. <laughs> yes, it's accepting criticism. Like my critique of you is that. <laughs> nice. Um but yeah, generally kind of dramatic in that way. I, and I just I think that's perfect. <laughs> Rising as Capricorn again and, you know, that idea of self-control wanting to do things correctly, mm. um, still wanting recognition, but again, kind of practical and goal oriented. So kind of yeah. repeats itself there. Uh, that one is but double Capricorn, man. He likes to get shit done. Yeah. And I think that for that one, maybe wait is rising. So that's like, which one's that? That's what people see. People see like their impression of you. Okay. He wants to make sure, I mean, you know, and, and making sure to get things right. That's like, the criticism and self-criticism thing that he would, mm. you know, that they, that the party would use, you know, and, and then the, the downside of that is not taking that criticism himself very well. <laughs> All right. So those, those are the big three. We've got plenty more to get through and I'd like to start doing this <laughs> for all of our biographies because they're fucking funny. Yes. Some of them don't fit at all. And also some of them like weren't on the celebrity list. So I had to just like enter their info. Yeah. And it was really funny because one of them, I looked up like Fred Hamptons and it was like, see your compatibility with Fred. And I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. So yeah. Dude, great work. We're going to keep doing this because it's funny. <laughs> and the great thing about it is if it is wrong, we just, you know, just ignore that. It's it doesn't fine. matter. It's <laughs> fake. <laughs> okay. Let's get into our real shit today. And that's listener questions. Yeah. We're opening up the mailbag. Hell yeah. Dumped it out onto our table. We sorted through it. We took out all the death threats and... Yeah, we left the good ones. Yeah, they were all like return address to Langley, Virginia. I don't know what that was about. (laughs) Super weird. Yeah. All right. So this is from Kate. And she said, I'm listening to your second Irish episode and am a bit surprised you didn't include more information about the British colonization of Ireland. Mm -hmm. That it wasn't slash isn't Protestant versus Catholic, but rather an occupation of stolen land. Uh, She goes on to say that the famine wasn't actually a famine and that there's plenty of food, but like the British shipped all the food back to England or kept it for the invading persons and let the Irish die of starvation Hmm. when the only crop they were allowed to eat became inedible. They were literally, quote, solving the Irish problem. And the island's population went from 8 million to 4 million in a very short time. Holy shit. That's insane. Yep. She goes on to explain that the British made it illegal to speak Irish or teach Irish history. Irish people had to smuggle their children into caves to continue teaching their own language and customs. Irish people weren't allowed to hold jobs like banking, teaching, police officer, etc. Basically, the British controlled all facets of Irish life for years and years and years. And she actually compares it to Palestine, which I thought was Mm. good. And I feel like we kind of touched on that in the episode is that the religious spin on this conflict is is very similar to what's happening in in Israel and Palestine. 
the rest of the question, uh, she goes on to mention that, like, you know, we really didn't focus or we kind of kept our focus more to uh, highlighting like socialism and its role, uh, whereas the Irish struggle for freedom, uh, she says, was more about oppression, murder, ethnic cleansing and saying kind of like that the that the religious role role and the socialist role is not not as primary. Mm hmm. I really appreciate this feedback because, yeah. like, I didn't fucking know anything about Ireland going in, so like, this is useful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm I'm definitely glad for the for the feedback, kind of the criticism uh, of it. I think we kind of knew going in that our episodes on Ireland were not providing like a complete picture, uh, mm-hmm. especially with the historic. I mean, like, we started the historical outline with the Middle Ages and just brushed up to. <laughs> You know, like five minutes. Yeah. Definitely did not cover what Kate is mentioning here with the Great Famine, sometimes just referred to as the like the Irish potato famine. Yeah. Uh, the 1840s and 50s. You know, even even then, though, I think we could have done more to highlight this, you know, what's at the core of the story, British settler colonialism, imperialism, and, you know, occupation of this stolen land, you know, stolen from the Irish people. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe instead of doing that like quick fast forward history of the original settlement, like we could have made that a whole episode even. Every one of our episodes probably would have been better done a second time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But, yeah. Uh, but no, no, no. I, th- I, th- I think she's made some really good points here uh, that, you know, Britain invaded Ireland, brutally dominated it and maintains that domination in Northern Ireland to this day. It's less direct but it's still there i mean they still like you know control the place in a way uh and they treated and continue to treat ireland very much like europeans treated indigenous people in the americas or as Mm -hmm. mentioned here the you know settler colonial project of israel yeah treats palestinians you know treating them as lesser people as a nuisance best disposed of quickly to improve the lives of the colonizers yeah, I mean, the fact that they referred to the population as a problem and, like, it seems like we're deliberately sabotaging their population. And by sabotaging, I mean murdering. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, uh, the specifics mentioned here about the famine. I was kind of looking into that. According to the stati- the statistics I was able to find and stuff and the sources, it looks like they were not exporting a ton a ton of food that is something that people refer back to they were exporting some food imports exceeded it by a lot and apparently the amount of food exported in 1846 anyway was only one-tenth of the amount of potato harvest lost to the blight so people kind of disagree as to how much that would have completely impacted it's not Mm. like a good choice i don't think and it's a choice made on behalf of the British, it's still like an imperialist choice to say, let's export food while we're starving. I mean, like, mm-hmm. obviously the British are making that decision, not thinking about let's help the Irish people here who are starving. Yeah, yeah. But that's, you know, I guess everything is a little more nuanced than, but it's still shitty. So, I, Oh, I, for sure. <laughs> and yeah, like that population number is outrageous and it's true. Oh, gosh. It was at over 8 million by 1841. And the 4 million number is by 1931. Jesus. So 100 years, they, their population got halved. 
Yeah. Jesus. That is not an accident. The quote there about the Irish problem, that is how a lot of British politicians saw the situation in Ireland. They saw it as this, you know, they would rather the people there be dead so they could replace them with their own. Ugh. I mean, again, to, to hammer home the parallels, that's exactly what we see in the apartheid state of Israel. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, so yeah, same thing with Native Americans. It's like, oh man, these guys are on our land. It's like, mm, not your land, but okay. There's a guy named Nassau Sr. who was an economics professor at Oxford University at the time. Uh, and he wrote that the famine, quote, would not kill more than one million people, and that would scarcely be enough to do any good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Wow. Somebody go piss on his grave. Charles Trevelyan, a civil servant with most direct responsibility for the government's handling of the famine, described it in 1848 as, quote, a direct stroke of an all-wise and all-merciful providence, which laid bare the deep and inveterate root of social evil. Wow, 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 wow. He affirmed that the famine was, quote, the sharp but effectual remedy by which the cure is likely to be effected, God grant that the generation to which this opportunity has been offered may rightly perform its part. I mean, this is like when people said that Katrina was mm-hmm. because there's gay people. Right. Yeah. He's just saying, well, they fucking earned it. So, yeah, no, I mean, they, they saw that as a problem as far as the like forbidding the speaking of Irish and teaching Irish history. From what I could tell, that was not very effectively enforced, mm, uh, but there okay. may have been, you know, instances where it was and people did have to kind of secretly teach it or that just was done to avoid conflicts at all like to just just to avoid police trouble you know yeah uh, i mean the fact though that that was even a law like that fucking sucks yeah yeah and there was very much this effort at you know keeping at bay the inferior irish culture mm-hmm. for the superior british culture like you know in the same way that American, like European colonizers were trying to exterminate and then later assimilate like the Native American population. It's yeah, there's parallels there, too. So, yeah, and that's absolutely a tactic is banning language, banning religion. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, I know that was a thing in, in Mexico as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all part of that pattern. I will say on, you know, on what we were covering, you know, on the role of socialism. I do think that eventually, you know, socialists did play a significant, but definitely not like dominant role in the Irish Republican movement. And I, I, you know, we kind of talked about that, how it wasn't like the central thing all the time. Yeah. I would offer that. I do think their analysis of the situation was correct. If you don't also overthrow capitalism, when you overthrow the imperialist British, you're going to kind of like how Connolly said, you're going to, be evicted by Irish landlords and thrown in jail by Irish cops and have your labor stolen by Irish bosses, you know, which is an improvement, an important one. Uh, we want to <laughs> fight imperialism, you know, yes. But I think that Republican socialism does offer that like complete picture of what actually truly liberating the Irish people would look like. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's the whole do both thing. And like, I think it's important to acknowledge that imperialism is completely wrapped up in capitalism. Like they are their best buds. So yeah. maybe we didn't do enough hammering on, on that point, but yeah, I think we were a little more focused on, on the other side of that. On kind of specific events too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that highlighting these kind of like, how did the British initially, you know, 
come in and fuck up the place. That's, that's, that's important. Yeah, very important. And thank you, Kate, for bringing that up. That was really interesting to learn about. So, yeah, thank you. All right, next up. All right, so our next question is from Ash, and they say, I absolutely love the podcast. Thank you, Ash. Thanks. And I know this is going to sound really dumb, but could you answer what exactly liberalism is at some point in the show? Specifically, how liberalism differs from capitalism. I feel like I should know the difference, but the two seem identical to me. Fair Same. <laughs> I understand that capitalism is the use of privately owned capital to create private profit, and liberalism is free markets, freedom to own private property, etc. I don't see how one could exist without the other. This is a great question, Ash. I would love to know the answer to this because in my mind, they're kind of the same thing, or at least they're not opposing things. Oh, they're definitely not opposing things. That's right. <laughs> they're best friends. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Great observation. Essentially, Ash, you got this right. Capitalism is the economic system and liberalism is the political system that supports it. Mm. So capitalism, very good summary here. It's where, you know, the means of production, capital, the stuff we use to make goods and services... Sometimes they just call this the economy, right, uh, is privately owned and the wealth that it produces is distributed privately. So the whims of its owners, they figure out, oh, you know, I'm going to keep 50% of this for my own just to waste on stuff. And I'm going to use the other, I'm going to invest the other 20% or 35% on uh, stock buybacks. And then I'm going to pay the rest of my workers, whatever. Yeah. Real quick. I saw this great Instagram post the other day and it was about like, it was about gender and some guy thought he like totally had it owned. He was like, gender is a social construct, but we need it like money. If you didn't have money, you couldn't survive. I'm like, well, (laughs) you could. (laughs) (laughs) What if we didn't have money? Human history before, you know, prehistory, I guess, but before money. (laughs) (laughs) Like he totally thought he won. I was like, oh, that's cute. (laughs) You feel for him, I mean. Yeah. It's... No gender, no money. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, I'm on board. That's fine. It sounds great. That's capitalism. So liberalism, the way most of the world and so most leftists refer to it as liberalism, mm-hmm. is basically the belief in representative democracy, the rule of law, civil liberties, property rights, free markets, free trade, limited government that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So again, good summary there. That's you know, liberalism is that kind of political system. It was the political philosophy ad- advocated by the rising bourgeoisie back in the day when they were first getting started, the first, you know, growing capitalist class. Mm-hmm. And it was the political system that they built once they took power from the old system of feudalism. Once the bourgeoisie was in charge, they set up, you know, liberal democracies. I'm a little confused because you mentioned limited government, but mm-hmm. I thought liberals kind of wanted a big government, or is that just not for financial? Oh, no, you're you're kind of correct. Uh, so it's because you're an American. <laughs> mm. We're Americans. We have the con- conception of we just call liberalism what is also called modern liberalism, oh, or sometimes just okay. called Americanism. But But modern liberalism is like this free market liberal democracy plus a general social safety net and progressive Mm. social policies. Okay. Because I was like, that sounds a little more like libertarian to me. Right, yeah. Free market, small government. And that's, sometimes they'll call that classical liberalism, just to distinguish between modern and, you know, like 
New Deal-ish style American liberalism versus like mm. old school. But that's what like, you know, modern American liberalism evolved from. There was this yeah, yeah. kind of philosophical change of like, well, we're still about like protecting people's property rights and, and stuff like that. But we also need to make sure that people survive, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't want to change the whole fucking system. You just want to make it a little nicer. Right. Yeah. But classical liberalism especially when leftists use it the Mm -hmm. term we we tend to be talking about people supporting you know the overall free market capitalist system with what political system they've built okay so modern liberalism that's probably that's neoliberal too right uh that encompasses it yeah i feel like neoliberalism has like an imperialist flavor to it is that part of that too so neoliberalism is sometimes <laughs> hard so to define. Many. I need a chart. Because <laughs> neoliberalism is like... I feel like it's just conservatism, but yes, okay. It's, so it's not like... <laughs> it's almost classical liberal. It's like going back and privatizing okay. things and stuff, you know. Oh, okay. we used to do all these welfare programs for people. We're just going to, you know, sell that off. Or we're just going to deregulate this or whatever. That's right. like bringing back neo... Yeah, like neoclassicalism. Right, yeah. Got it. It's kind of like that, I think. And it also has to do with, like, you know, just imposing your will on the world and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, being a dick. (laughs) Ugh, okay. I mean, these sound all so terrible. Like, I guess the point of conservatism at this point is just, like, you get to do those things and also be racist and sexist and shit. Um, I mean, I would argue that they're both (laughs) within, you know, American liberals and American conservatives have obviously one's better than the other, but both are within the liberal democracy that we're in. I mean, they're both in the umbrella term of kind of liberalism of, like we said, represented democracy. Okay. They're both (laughs) more Mm -hmm. or less on board with that. Sort of. Uh, (laughs) uh, The rule of law, you know, both sides can kind of can, can hearken to that. Uh, Civil liberties to some people. (laughs) Property rights, free markets, free trade. Limited government, even. I mean, liberals yeah, sure. will you know, will be the first. To, oh, well, what about small businesses? Oh, but mm. what about you know uh, the crazy amount of choice we have and all these sorts of capitalist things? Interesting. So they don't want you know the government to do everything. Now, I will say, liberalism it supports the interests of the capitalist class and the capitalist system as a whole. Right? I mean, that's clear with what it supports. Yeah. Um, free markets and property rights and stuff. That's like sacrosanct in liberalism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the part of the question, could capitalism survive without liberalism, I thought was interesting. You know, how could one exist without the other, basically? Yeah, yeah. I would argue that capitalism could survive without liberalism. Not necessarily as a, like, pure form of free market capitalism, but that's not even what we have right now, so... <laughs> I think that it would just be there with some modifications, you know? Okay. Can't, like what? You, you could have capitalism under fascism. Oh, good. Right? Or a military dictatorship. Like, you could have those. And, and fascism, I mean, you would still have, you could still have, like, private ownership of a whole lot of, a whole lot of industries. Mm-hmm. As long as they're, like, they're willing to go along with whatever the state says, hey, you have to do this now. Well, okay. But th- there's no reason why the state can't just, like, let them you know, mostly be in charge unless they cross the party line or something. I guess that's true. Yeah. Or with military dictatorship, similar thing. I mean, you know, as long as everybody gets their, their kickbacks and we're good. Yeah. (laughs) 
Shit, okay. But I think as Lenin said in The State and Revolution, capitalism does prefer a democratic republic as the best possible Mm. political shell. Yeah, I Uh, remember that quote. It allows wealth to dominate the government so thoroughly. I mean, we we definitely see that. Yeah, and I think it's effective because it gives that guise of of freedom and democracy and people are like, oh, it's fine. It like... (laughs) It gives you, because, yeah, if you're living straight up in a dictatorship, like, you're more likely to be pissed about it and try to, like, revolt. Yeah, yeah. Where here it's like, I get to vote, so I have power. And it's like, well, sort of. <laughs> right, yeah, the most important thing you can do, you know. the. Ugh. So, yeah, I and it also, I guess an aspect of what you're saying there is it, it discourages direct action, right? It's yes. like, you're kind of breaking the system. That's not how it's supposed to work. There's a way that you influence it, and that's by going and voting and influencing your legislators. Like, <sighs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do it if you have time for it, but don't put all your eggs in that basket, in my opinion. <laughs> the basket is on fire, so you can do that if you want, but I don't know. Yeah, priorities. Um, but Ash, <laughs> awesome question. I never really thought about how they're basically the same, mm-hmm. or at the very least, propping each other up they're, very nicely. Yeah, they're twins. Ugh, you know? Terrible twins. <laughs> and they were kind of birthed out of the same time and everything. Like, they have supported each other. Like I said, it's not indispensable. Like, capitalism is a tenacious beast and can continue under a lot of circumstances. But Yeah, and if you look at, like, the revolutions that were popping off during that time, they were led by, like, liberalism but mm-hmm. also, like, with wanting to keep capitalism, like, that totally tracks. Yeah, yeah. Next, we've got a question from Olivia, and she says, I'm not sure if you've covered this yet, as I'm still working my way through the available episodes, but how would hospitals, emergency services, firefighters, paramedics, etc., mental health services, access to medications, etc., work under socialism and communism? We've touched on this a lot. I mean, we're obviously for Medicare for all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we haven't ever gotten into like specifics, I guess. So what do you think? I think that here again, we're being bad Marxists. We like oh, to yeah, speculate. Yeah. It depends on what type of socialism you're working with. Mm-hmm. And the way to think about this, the more I think of it, is not like different camps that should be opposed to each other, but just different paths to the same one true communism that you'll eventually get to in the end, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, If you're looking like uh, social democratic. Furthest in, what are we, I almost said, what are we most likely to get to? But that's... Yes, honestly. That's a boy's dream. (laughs) (laughs) Because social democratic, I mean, this is like, the way we characterize this is kind of almost like your furthest left version of capitalism, really. Because mm-hmm. you don't really want to change the capital system. You, you you still want private ownership, right, of the means of production, the economy. You just want to distribute those resources more fairly. Yeah. So more regulations, more taxes. Our taxes are here. Mm-hmm. You will be satisfied. <laughs> uh, and then that will be used to pay for everyone to have health care and other emergency services. This is what the proposal for Medicare for All I mean, boils down to, yeah, you know, it's yeah. still saying we're going to, you know, pay for things. You just make sure that everyone is getting enough of the wealth that capitalism is producing to get their basic services. Yeah. I mean, I tweeted this the other day. I just filed my taxes. And apparently when you write a book, it they tax you really badly because you're just like an individual person making mm. money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I paid a lot. And I was like, man, I'd feel so much better about this if this was like going towards healthcare and not like 
you know, drones heading towards Palestine or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're buying, <laughs> you're buying them some fancy new fighter jets Ugh, and no. all sorts of crazy dystopian technology to track everyone every right. second of their lives over there. So, Ugh, sorry, y'all. Fun stuff. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's kind of the most reformist sort of okay. version of it, right? And that would, I think... In any of these that I'm going to be talking about, I mean, there it's it's we're talking about covering completely, yes, anything everything. regarding hospitals, emergency services, mental health services, medications, all that, all hundred percent, and more, yeah, housing, you know, all that. Oh yeah, I mean, like, I always think about this as so much as the silver bullet, like just that takes off so much debt and concern and. Yeah. It, to me, really addresses the fundamental question of, like, I think people deserve to live. Like, yes. <laughs> I think we should try to keep people alive. And that seems like a pretty basic tenet of government, but you'd be surprised. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. If you're taking kind of a democratic socialism approach or you know, more anarchist socialism mm-hmm. or libertarian socialism. So you're thinking, okay. like, you know, know me. less state involvement, right? Yeah. Popular involvement. Yeah. A little gnomy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, in this system, you'd have popular democratic control of the economy. As we're talking about your workplace, entire industries owned and run by the workers and not the bosses, whether that's democratically through like the government or at a, at the local level, like the local firm sort of level, whatever, either way that could be done. We would produce things and distribute them socially, you know, democratically, so we would have healthcare and emergency services, you know, democratically run either just, you know, this is our like worker owned, worker operated hospital or mm-hmm. what have you, or perhaps, you know, at, you could do it at the national level sort of thing if you wanted to in this kind of federated system. Either way, they'd be run just as, as services. It kind of depends on who you ask as far as like the particulars of what you want to do, but People would democratically decide how to allocate health care and emergency services. And I think since people aren't stupid <laughs> and since, you know, they want to do the right thing in large enough numbers, they would make sure that everyone has all these things at no cost to be universal and free. Okay. So like it would technically still be up to a vote. But like even if you looked at the numbers now, like what is it, like eighty percent of people are like, Yeah, I yep. would like health care, please. More than half of Republicans <laughs> even or something, you know? Yeah, I think it was eighty Democrats and yeah, like more than half of Republicans, which is yeah, most people. <laughs> yes, just humans are like, Oh, going to the doctor would be free, yes, please. You know? Yeah, that'd be great. So yeah, I mean I guess yeah, you still run a risk of your particular I guess it's not a commune, your particular community of some sort saying like, nah, we're not into it, but right. I guess that would suck. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that. But okay, so basically your hospitals work a run and the community decides this is going to be free. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And if you do more of a state direction, socialism with like a workers commune or workers state sort of thing, mm-hmm. dictatorship of the proletariat, sometimes people yeah. say it, more Marxist, Marxist Leninist style. This would be one of the worker state or workers communes function, right? It would, Mm -hmm. so you'd just have a general fund, right? We're all, everything in the economy is now collectively owned by the worker state, the, by the people. Yeah. And so the wealth that it produces is just in the general fund and then like given to people to take care of whatever they need. Right. So one of the things 
would be to make sure that we provide health care for people, mm-hmm. you know, including everything that we mentioned there, including emergency services, all that. Like education or pension or housing or anything else people need, that would, uh, I guess, again, be decided democratically. Like, the whole thing here, and I guess this is where Marx has a strength, is that he just says, like, oh, when they get to it, people will figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, a lot of this boils down to if we think that the people should be in charge, then they should be in charge. We can say, like, yeah. I think they should do X, Y, or Z, but ultimately we kind of support them doing what they want. So like maybe an example would be like if you got everyone together and everyone agreed like, no, we're not going to cover, you know, plastic surgery, even though there's valid reasons to want to get plastic surgery. And I think like do whatever the fuck you want with your body. But if everyone voted on it, like that could be a scenario where like maybe that's not covered or something. It's one example, but yeah, in, in general, they could decide things that way. And... I don't know. I mean, maybe you do run into problems of people, you know, how do you make sure that everyone, that even more unpopular groups make sure that they, you know, get what they need? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's my concern. I think I would be very watchful of like disability rights and stuff. And like, I would just want to make sure that everyone is covered. You know, I don't want anything to be left out. And, you know, things like gender affirming care like yeah. the trans population is very small so yeah. like i wouldn't want them to just like not get it because there's not enough of them to vote for it you know that's true yeah i don't know what not sure how to handle that i mean i don't know either and and i think that's what kind of confuses me about some of these like democracy above all platforms it's like well i would maybe be more okay with that if like <laughs> this is gonna sound weird if you had some propaganda maybe to go with it of like maybe some educational campaigns of like, here's why we should do this. Like, I don't like just letting it up to chance. I'm, I'm a little scared of that. Yeah. My first instinct is an admittedly real liberal one. It's just like, well, we can put together like a charter of rights sort of thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. you have democracy, but you also have to do these things. Yeah. But the problem is like, well, you have to figure out what those things are <laughs> and get everyone to say, yeah, that's, you know, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's that's just something I've always like thought about as like, you know, we have minority populations and we need to watch out for them. And I don't know. I mean, I, I know that capitalism obviously exacerbates our, our divisions and stuff like that. But like at the end of the day, you still do have these gaps in populations. And that worries me. Yeah. One way we could do it is word everything like in that charter or whatever, word everything to be this almost kind of vague, like uh, yeah, pro-human rights in general sort of thing, and then just get you like communists, judges and stuff to to interpret that in a good way, you know? So when people try to take away their rights, just be like, actually, this one clause says, no, you can't do that. Sorry, you suck. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> I like how the Church of Satan does this. One of their tenets is just like, yeah, you've got control over your body. So they're like pro-abortion and shit and mm-hmm. like pro-trans rights. And like that's one of their main tenets. Yeah. We'll just all become Satanists. That's the next step. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how that one polls, but... (laughs) (laughs) That one's got a PR problem. All right. Finally, we talked about all these different paths, right? Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Eventually, we'll get to true communism. Mm, That luxury gay space. Yeah. Once society has improved its productive forces, meaning we can make enough stuff for everybody to have things, right? We're... We've moved from our infancy beyond our primitive struggle for survival, beyond scarcity. I think I'm going to make a den in my house and call it the luxury gay space. 
<laughs> just have like a, a nice shiny purple couch, some mood lighting, some bisexual lighting. It's going to be good. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my office, basically. There you go. Uh, once we get there, people get everything they need for free, not just these services we're mentioning here. Uh, but everything also that they need for their survival and everything they want at that point. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. they'll no longer have to work to survive. They'll just be working based on their interest, on their own kind of self-fulfillment, which is interesting because, like, it might take some coaxing to get people mm -hmm. to, like, put the insane amount of work needed to become a medical professional in that world. I don't, I'm, I'm lazy, so <laughs> I'm thinking, like, why would I do that? Okay, just I'm not sure, because if you think about... Sorry, my, there's a fucking peacock going nuts in my yard right now, so sorry if you can hear them. <laughs> um, <laughs> just yelling. But, okay, I was reading a, a tweet about this, you know, doing some heavy research. Yeah. But there's talking about how medical school, it's super normalized, like you said, to be really, really hard. Like, you don't sleep. You are pushing your body to these extremes. And it's like... Hey, no wonder they're not great at like dealing with people with disabilities and chronic illness and shit like that because they they have this kind of get over it mentality about like health mm, in yeah. a way. Like it encourages people to push themselves and kind of by default then blocks people with disabilities who maybe can't be on their feet all day from mm -hmm. getting into the field. So if we have a system that like provides for people enough. I think it could be good. I think we could learn like, hey, maybe you don't have to work like 20 hour shifts at the hospital. Like, yeah, oh, <laughs> you because know? we like, could also this could all be like from today's perspective, crazily overstaffed. How many doctors could we afford to put through medical school because we're not putting people through business school? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not doing military. We're not doing business. We're not doing marketing. Like, yeah. well, we'll have a little propaganda station probably. Sure. But so many people who's like you know, passions are crushed into these other, you know, nobody grows up and says, oh, damn, I want to be a telemarketer, you know? It's just something <laughs> you right. have to do, and it's, you know, I mean, do it if you have to do it, but it, you'll just have fewer people in the, or, you know, in those fields, like yeah. insurance salesmen or various other things. You'll have so many more people that can say, you know, actually, I'm going to do this thing that I want. And so, like, you can have slower-paced Mm -hmm. uh, medical schools because you're not trying to rush people. You know, people aren't trying to rush out themselves so that they can hurry up and start paying Make off money. their mountains of debt. <laughs> yeah. It would change a whole lot about it. And you do have people who like kind of don't care about their jobs. And I think that's great. I always oh, encourage yeah. that. For sure. And I think that's still an option too. Like if you're like, yeah, I work in insurance and I don't give a shit. Like, sure. Now you work in sanitation, but like, it's not backbreaking. You're just like doing work for this amount of hours. It's probably less hours. And guess what? You're taken care of. Yeah. Like you get to just fucking zone out and do your thing and go home. And yeah, once, once you're in like true pro scarcity, you don't, I mean, whatever we can't automate, then yeah, we have to take shifts on basically. It's all going to be easier. Yeah. And in the socialist world, like it would still be that sort of, yeah, you're taken care of sort of thing. Like you would do a job, even if it's like, eh, it's not my passion. I'm, I'm not like super about this, but you'd have so much provided for you. And, and you'd have so much more time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this. <laughs> we were watching Star Trek the other day and we we're like, I mean, clearly they're post-scarcity in a way, and oh, they're, yeah. they still have these super ambitious people in Starfleet and shit, so I think that's kind of interesting. I really want to do a Star Trek episode. We have, Yeah, I don't know if I just have to watch more of it to get like more of a breadth, because it's just such a big body of work. 
that it's like. So, yeah, I feel like we covered it, you know, with. We talk about health a lot on this show in terms mm-hmm. of like, yeah, should we better? But like, this was nice to kind of break it down into like the specific ways it could be better. Yeah. And these are all, you know, ideas, I guess. As Mark says, you know, obviously you got to figure it out in, in the context of what mm-hmm. actually happens. To boil it down to just the basics, though, we want everything covered for everybody. We both want to do that like as fast as possible, as like yeah. dramatic as possible instead of like, oh, here, we're going to pay your insurance company some more or something. You know, we really want to make sure everybody has all of the hospital care, mental health service, everything, like free medications, Mm -hmm. 100%. I think I do lean a little more maybe federalized on this one. Like national level, you mean? National level, I guess. Yeah. Just because, like, if you're in a full commune, like, I don't want, like, just an herbalist because that's all I got, you know, like, no offense <sighs> to herbalists. Like there's some good herbalists out there, I'm sure. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's science. I would like scientists, please. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, I don't want someone to be in a neighborhood like that just doesn't have a doctor. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. You would have to have, you know, the, the doctor's brigades at least to go out and like a traveling doctor. Yeah. Or I don't know. I mean, you'd, you'd have to cover areas that don't have that. Mm-hmm. Which is a problem today, too. Like, you have rural areas with, like, no hospitals. Yeah. So even in a decentralized system, you know, where they talk about a system uh, free associating, doing, like, delegates and stuff to, like, a mm-hmm. higher federation. It's, like, not really a state, but kind of quasi sort of state. Yeah. That would be very useful for pooling those sorts of resources and making sure that people, you know, doctors and medical facilities get to where they need to go. Yeah. And you could, like pay those doctors a little extra like hey you have to live out here and maybe it's not where you wanted to live but like we'll we'll cover your moving expenses and shit and like and it's a lot easier now too i think because of technology to like work wherever you need to so yeah that's true next we have a question from steven and he wants to know what we think about l3c's which are low profit limited liability companies and i have no idea what these are so tell me (laughs) what do i think about these things grady uh so I didn't know what these were either. I looked this up. <laughs> uh, they look like a version of a nonprofit. I traditionally don't like those. Right. It's a nonprofit <laughs> that is allowed to do a little profit. All right. I don't think I'm going to like this. <laughs> so basically, it's it's similar in that it does have a social mission, but okay. they're like a for-profit company. They're companies that are legally mandated to be sort of nice. Why... Why? <laughs> Why do they exist, right? <laughs> Why? Good question. All right. So from what I can tell, which is not a ton, I'm not legally trained or anything, <laughs> a big part of the idea behind the creation of L3Cs as a legal category was to make it easier for them to get grant money from charitable foundations. Wait, why Why not just have more charitable foundations or bigger ones? Because mm, that wasn't the problem they were trying to solve. Okay. <laughs> Basically, what they did was they matched up the requirements to be L3C with the IRS's requirements for charitable foundations that they have to, when they grant money to projects and stuff, it has to qualify as a project-related investment. And this okay. is sounds arcane, but and it I is, but it. here it goes. <laughs> so tax-exempt charitable foundations, they're required to pay at least a whopping 5% of their funds to a charitable project each year. Sorry, this is any charity? Yeah, like a foundation, you know, like a... Mm. 
I don't I don't know if there's a difference between the foundations and the charities. A foundation and a nonprofit? There's a difference between that because they're okay. do- they usually donate to the nonprofit orgs. So think like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They uh-huh. give a bunch of money to the some nonprofit organization to go do a thing in Africa or something. Okay. God, this is just so much money changing hands, guys. Well, not so much. It's only 5%. Well, it's, yeah, apparently it's only 5%. <laughs> but anyway, they have to do that every year. They, they do this very few times mm-hmm. to one or more nonprofit organization because if they, if they mess it up, they get fined like crazy. If the IRS is like, no, this investment doesn't qualify as a project-related investment, then okay. they get fined a bunch of money. So they're very careful about it. So usually what they do beforehand, they get something called a private letter of ruling. They ask the IRS beforehand, hey, can we do this? And the IRS gives them a letter guaranteeing that, yeah, 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 you can do this. This one's fine. They being uh, an L3C, right? No. God dang it. Who is this? (laughs) Who's the they? All right. The uh, charitable organization. Okay. They're like, we got to give away 5% of our money. We're going to give it to this organization. We want to make sure with the IRS that it's fine. So they ask okay. the IRS, and the IRS says yes. Okay, gotcha. That is a slow and expensive process. I mean, the mm-hmm. IRS is doing this for everybody, and you have to pay lawyers to put together your Wait paperwork. All, all this. that shit. Yeah. So the L3C was designed to get around that by automatically qualifying them as, you know, in the eyes of the IRS, because they use the exact same definition. Mm, okay. Right. So the idea was, well, the IRS will say these guys are good, and so... Charitable foundations will donate to them, and so people will want to be L3Cs, and that way they can get this grant money. Okay. All right. But it actually didn't work out that way. The IRS has not ruled, and this like happened a while back, but they have not ruled that they automatically qualify, so they still have to do that slow process. <laughs> okay, this is such a waste of fucking time. Yeah. In the end... A L3C is like a light form of a nonprofit. If you like nonprofits, but you wish they had a little bit more entrepreneurial capital spirit in them. I don't. And maybe L3Cs are for you. So you. They're not. No, they're not for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pass. If you like corporations, but wish they were like just a little bit nicer. Again, here's your deal. No. Not too much nicer, but a little bit nicer. No, I want them gone. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're like us, you want to solve our c- problems through collective action and transform our entire economic and social and political system into one that's run democratically by the people instead of some arcane IRS corporate machinations. We have an alternative for you, a little thing called communism. Yeah, like instead of making like 20 laws about like percentages and how you much you need to pass around or whatever, what if you just like fucking gave people what they need so we wouldn't have to have all these like random corporations? Yeah, and again, this <laughs> touches on kind of our episode on charity and the the shortcomings of that is that you're looking to navigate all these, again, just really complex and ridiculous yeah. kind of rules that are set forth. Also that you can have the extra step of, you know, making sure that a rich guy gets to do what he wants with the money before it goes to the people who earned it. Apparently there's a Warren Buffett documentary on Amazon, of course. Ooh. My mother-in-law was trying to get me to watch it be like, he gives away all of his money. And I'm like, it's not enough. He (laughs) he needs to give away all of it. Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm just like, you still don't see that. Like one day he could wake up and say, no, I'm not going to give away this money. Like. 
Right. That's that not okay. Should, He's not God. Right. Yeah. We should worship this guy for deigning to keep people alive with the money that he stole from them in the first place. It's just clearly propaganda, and it makes me really mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the rundown of the L3Cs. They sound bad. Well, you know, they're as bad as like non. They're, I guess, a little worse than nonprofits, a little better than corporations, but I mean, not the solution. Bar. Not the solution. Next, we have a couple questions from some students. We actually got a few in these kind of veins, so I, I kind of combined them. But in general, we got questions about like how to get people interested in communism. Um, mm, and these okay. are coming from like teenagers and stuff. Yeah. And also just like on the other side of that, kind of how to hide being a communist. Because like, you know, if you run around saying things like, hey, communism's cool. And then like you grow up in a Western society where it's not really accepted, like you're going to get made fun of. That can happen. Yeah, yeah. I guess neither one of us really experienced that as kids because we weren't communists yet. We were, we were dirty liberals. Yeah. <laughs> I got made fun of for phone banking for Obama. Oh, <laughs> what a loser. One of my, I say friends, but it's just friends just of convenience. Yeah. yeah. Uh, called me a traitor. Nice. Like a race traitor. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, <Oof>. pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. Anyway. All right, yeah, what you got? All right, so tips and tricks. Tips, tips for spreading communism. Trying to spread that good word. Yeah. Love it. Have you heard the good news of Marx? <laughs> so that's my first point. Is I wouldn't open with Marx. Like oh, okay. not very accessible to most folks. Like it's it's okay, but like you know, I remember going through that and being like, wow, this is taking me forever to read. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a banger once you have someone explain it to you, but it takes a long time. Yeah, kind of a later stage sort of thing. Once you get them hooked on. Some sort of an intro? Mm-hmm. Okay. I would also go ahead and check out, we have an episode called, like, How to Convert a Liberal. That's episode 42. I'll go ahead and listen to that in the archives. Yeah. We go over lots of just general advice, but for, like, specifically this kind of stuff, especially, like, I think with younger people, you probably want to just stay away from the scholarly material mm-hmm. and just start getting them to kind of question and think about maybe other people through a different lens. I know... I'm a very selfish person. I definitely was even more selfish growing up because like your experience is all you know. You're only exposed to so much when mm. you're younger. Yeah, yeah. So I think just pointing out like inequities and be like, hey, isn't that fucked up that like, you know, that person can't afford this or whatever it is, you know, yeah. like. Uh, or like uh, like that could be getting people to, 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 to uh, realize that they could very easily be in a different situation. Like that could be me. You know, especially at yeah. younger ages where you're kind of still struggling with just pure empathy overall you know that's still kind of like a mind-blowing thing sometimes Uh, you're like oh man there are other people like i still get that now (laughs) damn everyone's you know the the protagonist in their own story but you know saying oh well that could be me you know if just a few things were different you know i know we just spent like 30 minutes shitting on liberalism but like this is something it kind of does okay especially recently is like talking about privilege and Mm. That's a really useful term for just, like, letting people know, like, hey, you fucking won the lottery, you were born in America, you're white, like, you're doing great. Mm -hmm. You know, depending on where you live, obviously, adjust as needed. Sure. Yeah, just being able to point out those inequities and, like, I think for me, at least, the first step was realizing, like, hey, this is fucked up. And that took a while. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was one of those people that, like, didn't really realize how fucked it was until 2016. And, like, that's okay. I got there eventually. But, like... (laughs) It's important to like kind of wake up first yeah. and then and then kind of start asking more questions of like, hey, what if what if we had healthcare? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that's an important like starting point. I think that one of the bridges to kind of more leftism, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of getting them over to socialism, communism is once you have kind of started making people realize this shit is fucked up, right? The system yeah. is doing such bad things to so many people in our country, in the world. I, I think that once they really have come to believe that it becomes harder for, for people to justify like, well, there's only so much we can do. Right. Yeah. And it's hard to even point it out because our education system purposely hides those things. We don't talk about native Americans being slaughtered. We don't talk about like all the imperialism in South America. Like we Mm -hmm. don't address these issues and even like, economically like we don't like we try to hide homeless people we try to put them away we try to get them off the streets we try Mm -hmm. to you know service workers we try to completely alienate them and you know make them invisible with things like uber eats and shit like that there's a real concerted effort to like separate us and so whenever you start pointing that out it just kind of opens your eyes to like wow there are all these people that are like drastically affected by this and yeah, it's, it's, again, just building up that empathy muscle. Yeah, yeah, because once it's strong enough, then you can say, I get that there's, you know, this constitutional amendment, this particular law that says we can't do it. But, like, we should be able to change that. Like, let's... Yeah. Are you going to say that those people, like, have to continue to suffer because of something that somebody wrote in the 1780s? <laughs> like, come on. You know, we could do better. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing is, like, for me, it just kind of came up to a breaking point of like realizing how fucked up things were where that like the status quo just wasn't going to do it and Mm -hmm. like we can't just keep doing the same fucking things expecting different results like it's just as people love to give excuses for capitalism and all the human nature arguments all like we've gone over those like yeah it just is untenable at this point for me (laughs) so get them very mad (laughs) yeah for a long time and then, I, yeah, I, I would say, like, start suggesting maybe ideas without theory is what I would call oh, it. Just yeah. being like, hey, what if we took care of people? Hey, what if, you know, your health care is free? What if <laughs> transportation so was better? What if we didn't have climate change? Like, kind of saying, like, we could do these things. Uh-huh. Again, kind of taking out of that, like, well, we have laws or whatever. Taking out of that context, be like, we could just fucking do it. Like, yeah, why don't we just do those things and then let them know you chose socialism. <laughs> By the way, I don't know exactly when you would drop that bomb on him. I really, you don't I have don't to, know. honestly. You don't have to. I don't really care what you call yourself. You know, that's that's sort of a that's just a decision on your on your end. Yeah, those are awesome tips. I think in terms Thanks. of spreading, you got any more of them? Or I have some kind of on the flip side of that question yeah. was like how to how to hide being a communist because we've all been there. Yep, <laughs> it's important. It's getting harder for me by the day. I swear to God, my company's doing like white supremacy, like dismantling white supremacy workshops right now. And I pretty much bring up imperialism in every meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah, here's how like capitalism upholds this. And like, I love to look at the Zoom window and see who nods. Yeah. It's really fucking funny. One of them, I couldn't do it because like both my bosses were in there and I was like, I'm... I'm going to be quiet on this meeting. So you want each boss to be like kind of wondering, but they're like, well, the other boss would have said something. <laughs> if <they're coming." laughs> One of them was my boss. And one of them was like the fucking head of my department. And I was like, I'm going to 
play it cool in this one. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but there were some smaller groups that like didn't have them. So like, yeah, I was I was trying to sn- sniff out who's cool in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, yeah, I it, I generally try to hide it, which is hard because like. I mean, also, practically, this podcast takes up a lot of our time. So it's like, what'd you do this weekend? And I'm like, didn't talk about <laughs> communism for three hours. That's for sure. Right. Yeah, I was just <laughs> reading some articles. Is a lot of times how I'll phrase <laughs> just read. hours of research. <laughs> just reading. But how to hide it. In general, I think it's about like assessing your environment. I mean, like the example I just gave. Like you have to keep yourself safe and make sure you survive. Because you can't go on to spread communism if you are, you know being bullied if you are risking losing your job or something like Mm -hmm. you got to make sure you make it through the day yeah yeah for sure i definitely do that when i'm teaching (laughs) and that's also just professionalism in in my Mm -hmm. space because it's like i don't want to be indoctrinating that's not really my job yeah yeah you're you're trying to get the facts in there yeah so so yeah generally that that's my number one rule here there's keep yourself safe don't get yourself in any major trouble and I will also say, since like several of these questions came from young people, like being a teenager kind of sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. You're in this weird zone where like you are starting to have these like mature thoughts and like, you know, becoming your own person, but everyone still sees you as a kid and it's just this, like annoying and like, I get it. Like yeah. I fucking hated my <laughs> teen years, but like, you know, good news, you're going to get out of them one day. So like, keep it up. <laughs> There's some okay spots in it too, but you're right. And it's kind of you aggravating. You popular. That- i was not it's i don't Uh, know it's also kind of aggravating that like people are like you said they're still treating you kind of like a kid but they're also demanding kind of that you grow up too they're like you better do this you got to do that come on like you're almost an adult but they're also like hey asshole you can't do this you know I would also say know when it's worth it you know you can poke at people's beliefs like we were talking about earlier without like totally converting them to being a like a bona fide, you know, Marxist Leninist MLM, which I'm fucking still laughing over. <laughs> <laughs> you can convert them to be gay though if you want. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but you know, sometimes it's not safe to do it and sometimes it's just like not worth it. Like, I don't know. I, I always have to make that calculus of like I if I hear them say something that's like five percent fucked up, I might push back a little and be like, oh, I don't know, like Maybe it's hard for homeless people to get a job because they don't have an address or just something small that's like, mm-hmm. have you considered this specific obstacle? And they'll be like, oh, no, I haven't thought about that. One good technique to do that is to pawn off what you're telling them to somebody else. <laughs> Ooh, I was reading an article. <laughs> yeah, I was reading an article or, you know, well, like sometimes people will ask me, you know, students will ask me like kind of a, a question that, that has some political like, mm-hmm. you know, weight to it. I'd be like, well, you know, some people say that blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Some people. You know, other people. And I'd try to give, like, the other side of it, too, and just set them up there and just be like, here are the things, you know? Mm -hmm. And kind of keep a more or less neutral appearance while still kind of giving them a really good point versus, you know, you don't have to give both sides. I'm just doing that because I'm a teacher. But, like, if you were doing this with just a regular person, you can be like, oh, yeah, I read somewhere that, you know, this, and it sounded kind of fucked up, you know? Yeah, yeah, you can definitely pawn it off or just present it more neutrally than like, I think this, yeah. Yeah. 
I'm just like remembering how stupid I was in high school, actually. Um, so that's another thing that I did want to <laughs> talk about. Uh, I'm not calling these listeners stupid. You're no, obviously very you're cool and awesome for listening to us and also just being a person. But hopefully uh, you will look back in the future and think, oh, man, I was a completely different person. I, <laughs> you know, how could I have ever, you know, seen the world that way? Or I'm smarter, better than I was then. Yeah, and that's a good thing. You're going to grow, and that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, well, it's annoying when adults look back and, you know, they tell you in, in the moment, like, oh, yeah, you're just a kid. You don't know anything. They're usually just talking about themselves, like mm-hmm. uh, their opinion about how they were, and they're projecting it to you. And you will do that, too. It's just annoying to hear other people do it to you. It and, is. It is. You know, like, yeah. Fuck you. You don't know anything about my situation. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to clarify. It's like, I'm not trying to be pejorative here. I'm yeah. just like... Kind of reminiscing that like, yeah, I I thought some stupid things. I did some stupid things in high school. But like, I, I wish I had known about this stuff then. You know, keep at it. And I commend you. And if you're finding like you're just hitting a wall with people and, you know, you're not really getting a good response from people, maybe think of something else you can do for the cause instead mm-hmm. to put your energy towards. You know, you could start thinking about mutual aid and volunteering and shit like that. Like, you don't have to have money to do mutual aid. You can just like... Lots of times they'll have events where you can like help them organize yeah. things like that. So yeah, you, you can, can try to find another outlet for it. Yeah, you can do the work like that. You can do the work we should be doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you you know don't want to do that much work, you could do the work that we are doing. You could start your own podcast, focus on the issues you want to. <laughs> I don't want the competition. About. And well, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm not cool people. enough to compete with teens. <laughs> oh, another thing. There's like leftist videos and stuff on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Just barrage them with TikTok videos. Hell yeah. Do that. Our last question comes from Liza. She's 15. Another teen. I love these teens. They're giving me hope for the world. Yeah. And she was wondering at what age kids and teenagers would start having to contribute and start having a say in what goes on in the community. Mm. Would there be a set age? And, you know, saying that we've talked about how communism would change childcare and teaching. But what about students and actual curriculums? And I think this question is really cool. First yeah, off, there's there's a lot of a lot of things to get into. See, this is why, like what we were talking about earlier, like I hadn't thought about this particular problem because I'm not like a teenager anymore. So like mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, because uh, I, I don't know. I think it pre- presents an interesting tension. Maybe like kids should, I think, have some sort of say in their community. Mm-hmm. Teenagers as well young adults as well obviously where would like you say where would that start how should that work i mean that's a lot to figure out (laughs) yeah i thought about this for a while and i was like i think my you're talking about attention i think my main source of conflict is this in this is giving kids autonomy while still protecting them okay i think an example that i've heard is you know when you're raising kids, like you should probably teach them accurate body part names and like be really open about boundaries. Like they don't have to hug people if they want, don't want to stuff like that. Basically teaching them about their own autonomy without scaring them and saying like, this is because someone might try to do something to you, you know, (laughs) just giving them some vocabulary without like fucking terrifying them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And in the same way, you know, uh, like the more responsibility you take on in, in your community or in your like larger political community. I mean, you have to like inform yourself about issues. Like, do you want to read about, you know, police brutality when you're seven? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is that like, 
I think it's great to start these conversations pretty early and like talk about activism, talk about like being involved. If you're like in a commune situation, let's say that probably starts pretty early, but I still want kids to be able to enjoy their childhood and just like not be stuck at community meetings, like fucking voting on things all night. Like that would suck. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I, I do think that whatever system comes, I personally won't be too much of a fan of like compulsory voting or anything. I think yeah, that's it true. should be voluntary, you know, and you should still get a large enough slice of the population showing up for something that's actually meaningful. Mm-hmm. It, it should be very easy. Yeah. But it, yeah, should not be mandatory, I guess. <laughs> There's also the question of like, when you said, when would this start? Should it be like, I don't know. In some ways, maybe it should be more of a gradual scale based on Mm -hmm. more on human development. I mean, because we were mentioning in the one before, like the reason, the biological reason you look back and like, man, I was different is because you like (laughs) brain wise work. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Two year 21 or something or somewhere thereabouts. And everybody, you know, is a little bit different on that specifically. But it's, you know, how would you maybe gradually instead of all at once say, hey, you're an adult now, pay us taxes. Mm hmm. That sort of thing. I think if we're looking at a system that, you know, the education is going to be reformed and like college is going to be fucking free. I think that is a very helpful period. And a lot of people don't get this experience of college because of like financial reasons. But it's a Mm -hmm. helpful kind of in between stage of like, yeah, you're on your own a little bit, but you're still you don't have a job. Your job is like to learn. And like, it's kind of a nice like incubator before you go out and become like, oh, I have a nine to five and that's my life now. Yeah, so it's a little more freedom, a little more time on your hands to maybe figure out where you're at. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that experience of like, that's kind of when you really try to figure out your shit a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, I guess, coming from our experience, a lot of people do work all the way through college. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's insanely hard. And in this society, that hopefully would not be the case. Yeah. The part about students like uh, regarding curriculum. I thought, was mm, I thought that was cool. Like, what would you, how would you do that? Because you do want students to have feedback or mm-hmm. input in terms of like, in terms of their experience and to have some ownership of their learning experience there, some sort of cooperation. But on the other hand, I think that it does need to be like, overall, there should be guideline structures created by like trained educators. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise everyone would be like, yeah, we all voted. We fucking hate math. Like, that's out. We're not learning math (laughs) anymore. Math is gone. Canceled. (laughs) No more math. But I do think, like, I read a lot of parenting columns, and they talk Mm. a lot about how the best way to get kids into, you know, to do better in school is to make them enjoy the process of learning. And the way you do that is by, like, really fostering their interests. So, like, it doesn't matter what kind of books they're reading. The fact that they're reading is awesome. And, like, giving them access to whatever it is they want to pursue is very important. It sounds like I'm not an expert. No, that's, that's good. The, um, I mean, one very basic form of this is doing a choice board. Uh, Mm -hmm. you just come up with a bunch of activities that more or less are in the topic that you're doing and, you know, pick one and they're way happier to do that than even if you give them like a choice of three things, they're way happier to do that because they've chosen it. You know, I think just incorporating a lot more of more choice would be great. And like, yeah, there's some subjects where you're not going to have as much choice. It's fucking math. You got to learn math, whatever. Move on. But like <laughs> things like I'm thinking particularly literature, like why do we have to read all the same books by like dead old white guys? Like, can I just fucking read my book and like have a nice day? Like, <laughs> you know, like 
even just like giving them a larger choice list would be helpful Mm -hmm. history you know having more student-led projects of like yeah i want to research this specific topic like i think that'd be cool yeah i will say that this would have to be coupled with as part of a larger educational re you know reform rebuilding sort of thing yeah we need like the amount of teachers we have times two for uh, sure because like i mean if i'm (laughs) grading uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm grading 130 mm-hmm. projects, or That's I guess 75 or something. If they're all partner projects, that's way harder than grading like a rubric, right? Yeah, <laughs> just grading something off of oh, they all did this thing. If there's all this variety, it just take it's it's a harder thing. It's going to gonna do. take longer, yeah. And I, so. I think that yeah, you're totally right. That would have to come with you know smaller class sizes, more teachers. And I think the community would definitely have a say, too, in, like, what the curriculum involves and and how this would work. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think that the guideline part is important just to keep everything on the rails, but I'm not opposed to, I I think that it's a good idea. And I think that, you know, to tie this back into, I think that, you know, the conception that socialism and communism have of really... You know, people like to make this stupid criticism that like, oh, Marx never considered human nature, but like he was all about human nature, I think. And like thing. He was a Taurus. The goal of it is like human self-fulfillment and self-improvement and stuff and like getting to like do things that are beneficial to you. And I think this is important. Like we should make sure that as we're developing as humans, when we're children and teens, that that should mm, we're not we're not like. Uh, just subjects you know we're not just like we shouldn't just have to follow rules all the time we should start at some point gradually kind of taking the reins for ourselves i think actually in the documentary last week chomsky said something kind of similar like there are certain kinds of compulsion that are kind of justified and one of those is the parent-child relationship like sometimes you do have to fucking say to a kid like when i watch my nephew it's like because i fucking said so you know get in the car you know yeah and you know, there is a little bit of, of hierarchy there that you just have to do. I think it's about trying to find a balance. Like, I think you have to raise them with an understanding that like, they have certain responsibilities, like, you know, doing chores and getting an education. And some of those chores probably help the whole society, you know, in, mm-hmm. in theory. And like, you know, raise them with that idea of what, like civics, basically, you know? Yeah, of your responsibilities to one another, right? Like, of- mm-hmm we are here not just for ourselves but for our you know we're we're watching out for each other too i guess that is a cool idea i like thinking about that you know we've had the topic of doing like what does education look under communism on our list for a long time and that's because it's a really big fucking question (laughs) yeah yeah i think that would be (laughs) a good one though i don't know how to answer it but it sounds cool yeah to wrap up, I had a few extra shout outs I just wanted to give really quickly. These emails made me smile. So first we have Richard. He is um, a frequent emailer of ours, and he sent us a nice note about our Chomsky coverage. Oh, nice. Yeah, he just seems like a cool dude. So thanks, Richard. Thank you. Shane sent us some cool murals from Ireland um, talking about how like they support Palestine and stuff. And like there's just some sweet ass art, too. So take a look at that. Oh, yeah. I saw those. Those are so cool. Also, thank you for the compliment on pronouncing things correctly <laughs> you're so self-conscious of it yes <laughs> i think you do great but i don't fucking know so <laughs> you had me fooled and you apparently you won over shane too 
And finally, Gabriel sent us his paper um, written for like his PhD, and he used our prisons obsolete as like one of his references. So that's oh, pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten around to reading yet, full disclosure, but you know, I'm busy. <laughs> I'll get to it. I'll get to it eventually. I, I expect just... a summary from you. <laughs> I'll read it okay. to you actually, just to do that. No. Yeah. I need to. I just, I've been cranking on that book this weekend. Ugh. I got time now. The summer has arrived for you me. You don't have time. You have to research all of our other <laughs> shit. That's, We're going to yeah, cover all true. the big ones this summer. This is a summer of communism. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I hope it is. That's a good dream. That would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, listeners. Thank you guys, everyone, for your questions, for your comments, for your feedback. All of it. So appreciated. Yeah. We have such a great listener base yeah Love y'all are so sweet Ooh, one quick housekeeping note couple of people misgendered me it's cool i don't think i made it explicit in the early episodes because full disclosure i was still figuring it out mm-hmm. um so just a reminder i use they them pronouns and i'm not like a woman or a girl etc so like just to keep that in mind but yeah i getcha and if we misgender you in any of these let us know sorry we didn't mean to for sure Sometimes we're just guessing, just based on the email. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. You guys are awesome. Continue to send these in. Any little thoughts crawling through your mind? We still have like a bunch on here that we'll kind of, you know, use throughout our time recording. Yeah, we didn't get to everybody. <laughs> yeah. So if you're like, oh man, mine was left out. It might happen next time. It's an imperfect approach, ours. Yeah, we just go through. Honestly, it's just like whichever one tickles my fancy. And I'm like, <laughs> I can definitely answer this. And I, I try to get a mix of things that like Grady's going to research and then I'm going to try to tackle a few. So yeah, it's a mix. All right. What are we doing next week? Next week, we'll visit the Iberian Peninsula. Ooh, am I going to get some of that fancy ham? You probably will not, honestly, given the conditions. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we'll be talking about the Spanish Civil War. Hey, that guy. That guy pops up everywhere. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah a recurring <laughs> guest here on the podcast. So many times for newer listeners, so so many times we'll we'll talk about somebody that we're you know discussing in history, and they will have some sort of little instance in their life connected to the Spanish Civil War. All right, starting off the summer of communism. Yep. In the meantime, you can catch us online. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism. Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can send us an email, teachmecommunism at gmail.com. That's where you want to go if you want to send us questions or suggestions for future episode. We keep a running dock of all of our listener suggestions so we can try to prioritize those as we can. You can and should leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. One reviewer said that I laugh too much, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm very funny and cool. Not my fault. It's just because, yeah, I say I say so many funny jokes that you just have no, to. No, actually, they were saying that I make too many jokes. And you laugh at them yourself? Oh. Well, <laughs> oh, no, maybe that was the criticism. It's just that I make too many jokes. I don't oh, maybe okay. the laugh You're too funny. I'm too fucking funny and cool for this person. It's fine. Uh, um, maybe that means I have an annoying laugh and that's what annoys them. Mm, uh, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, everyone else is really nice. I'm just being a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's all right. <laughs> uh, I'm like, Mao, I can't take that criticism, I guess. Exactly. What what <laughs> sign was that? That um, that was his moon. My moon's in Aquarius. In theory, I shouldn't give a shit, but I really do. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Everyone else is very sweet, so I appreciated it. Awesome. 
Um, so yeah, go do that. Leave a review and a rating. It really helps people find the show. And you don't have to be an Apple user specifically to do that. You can just do it anonymously. Awesome. Please do. Yeah, please do that. And we are also on YouTube, if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts. And finally, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash teachmecommunism. There, for $5 a month, you get access to our notes, both from this episode and from all of our backlog. Handy dandy resource there, full of links and cool shit and marked up PDFs. Um, This time, you'll get both of our notes, and I will also include my terrible star chart readings. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Awesome. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you again for all the questions. And thank you, Christine, for your partnership here, tackling these questions and for your jokes, <laughs> mainly, Thanks. and for your astrology expertise. Thank you. I'm, I do what I can. <laughs> all right. Listeners, you can catch us next week on another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.